0: For Tuesday, April 13th, 2021, this is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, in spring of last year, a single church in Albany, Georgia, had dozens of members hospitalized because of
1: COVID-19. The numbers kept counting until you felt numb with grief and overwhelmed by not being able to do anything for anyone else.
0: Bishop Frederick Williams, head pastor of Gethsemane Worship Center in Albany, joins me to discuss how the pandemic affected his church and how that affected the outbreak in Albany. That's next. Support for WABE's local
1: coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org.
0: Last spring, Albany, Georgia, got the world's attention as one of the places hardest hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. Many cases in the city were linked to a funeral held at Gethsemane Worship Center, a church led by Bishop Frederick Williams. A year later, they're remembering the many members they lost to the coronavirus. Bishop Williams is with me now to share what happened then and how his church community is coping now. Bishop Williams, thanks for talking with me. My pleasure. So I want to start just by having you tell me a little bit about your church and its community down there in Albany.
1: Okay. Gethsemane Worship Center, uh, we will turn 29 years old this year. Uh, It is a church that my wife and I founded back in 1992. Uh, It is an interdenominational church. It simply means whosoever will let him come, Uh, very contemporary Brother large church sits on the north side of town and um, have a real relaxed uh, type of
0: worship. And talk to me a little bit about your kind of church community. You said it was kind of large. How many members do you have, and what's the kind of demographic makeup?
1: Our church has about actively on roll fifteen hundred members. It's a predominant African American church. Uh, however, we don't claim it to be that is. Whosoever will let him come, but that is the cultural makeup. We do have some um, Hispanics that have uh, joined recently. And so we are just uh, just a growing church in the community, a very, very community-oriented church. We're here talking
0: on the one year anniversary of the coronavirus pandemic hitting Albany, Georgia, very, very hard. And and, and my understanding is that your church played a key role in the early days of the pandemic in Albany. Take me back to this time last year and, and kind of lay out what happened for me. Sure,
1: March 10th, 2020, there were a funeral held here at one of the local funeral homes one of the guests was out of Atlanta, came down, and that person was infected with the COVID-19 virus, uh, not finding out till that funeral was over. And the young man was taken to the hospital and later sent home that the Atlanta authorities called back to Albany to tell us he was indeed COVID-19. By that time, three days later, There was a rather large funeral here in which the same funeral home hosted the funeral where several people must have gotten infected from the first funeral. Then it kind of caught on at the second funeral and many people contracted the virus.
0: And so this was a funeral at your actual church?
1: Yes, the second one was, not the first one. Not where it first got here. It was at the chapel, of the funeral home, but the larger funeral with Mr. Carter, which is my brother-in-law, his funeral was here at the church, yes, sir. And talk to me about how aware you
0: were of the pandemic at that time. I mean, early March, this was still early days for a lot of people to, to kind of understand what was really happening.
1: Absolutely, it was March 10th. And so you must know that we had no ideal that COVID-19 was in our city. We were still hearing about what was going on overseas. So we were caught absolutely off guard to find out that many people were getting sick just days after the funeral here at the church. And it all kind of linked back to the funeral.
0: Talk to me about what those early days were like. How did you find out that People were starting to get sick. And and kind of what was that time like for you and and the church community?
1: Well, it was very shocking because we had just started a week of celebration to celebrate the 28th year of the church. So there was festivities going on. And uh, all of a sudden, after the funeral, many people were going to the emergency room for what they thought was upper respiratory infections only to find out that so many was coming in and they uh, sort of questioned the people where they had been and all was talking nowhere but to church. And so the CDC contacted me immediately and asked if they could test me and my wife.
0: As I understand it, the CDC sent kind of a, a strike team down to Albany to investigate the outbreak. So that's who was in touch with you.
1: Absolutely. Right after that uh, young man returned Uh, Back to Atlanta, they realized what it was and they were, was getting out how many people were in the emergency room. Yes, the CDC was on the scene instantly. Yes.
0: I'm wondering if you can tell me a personal story of of someone, a member of your church community
1: who who was impacted. Well, me and my wife, number one, uh, we were found positive along with four of our children. But there were uh, several of our members hospitalized, and uh, one of our latest probably holds that longest record um, now for being in the hospital over 65 days. From that, we've had several, several people that were uh, on ventilators, and we lost 10 members within the first two weeks.
0: I'm just dumbstruck by that number and,
1: and the speed. Oh, yes. Yeah, we we were about 35 people were at the hospital. Over 20 of those people ended up on ventilators, and then we did lose 10, yes.
0: I, I just can't imagine how that moment must have felt.
1: Well, it kind of felt like someone that told you everything that you loved was uh, being taken away, and before you can grieve one the numbers kept counting until you felt numb with grief and um, overwhelmed by just not being able to do anything for anyone else.
0: How, how did things kind of progress from there? If, if it's mid-March and, and your church has already been hit so hard, um, how was the rest of the spring and, and even the time after that?
1: Well, you know, Sam, um, for our church, uh, that was around, my birthday is March 15th, so you can imagine what I got for a birthday present was a positive result on the 15th. And so we were told to quarantine. Everybody was quarantined for 15 days, which brought us to the 1st of April. By the time we got there, within the first five days, the death had stopped however we ever? because many of those families was waiting on me to get better. A lot of the funerals was postponed. And so I'll say in the first month, not only battling disease, but then having to do seven funerals back to back was uh, pretty devastating. But around the middle of April, all of the funerals was complete and uh, our healing process started, you know. We we were not in church again to July twelfth. The world's attention
0: was on Albany, Georgia, this time last year, and and you know over time that attention has kind of subsided. But you are down there on the front lines, kind of having to to pick up the pieces from this situation. So so what has that process been like?
1: It was quite remarkable, as you say. People were contacting us from around the world. I remember being told. Uh, that I was on the front page of 12 different newspapers in 12 different countries. It was just amazing how many TV, radio stations, personalities, interviewers, newspaper people were here in the midst of our healing uh, wanting to get, I guess you'll call it the breaking news of it happening. But be not mistaken, this hot spot that happened to Albany was definitely centered around our church and those funerals.
0: How has your congregation, I guess, maybe just been in in the last year? And and are there any signs that things have gotten back to normal that people have been able to kind of heal from this experience?
1: You know, um, great question. After we got out of April, May, we started having small groups, uh, healing ministries. Zoom meetings, phone meetings, trying to encourage one another. Now, usually a church the size of Gethsemane is not as close as we were. We were a very close-knit church, so a lot of the people were very that did not lose family members were so devastated. To a lot of them, had to get counseling and counsel. But sometime in the mid of June, we started. Uh, praying together and trying to uh, kind of bring us back to a sense of um, of just survival. And then in July, we made a conscious decision that we would call the church back together. And really from that day to this, we have not had a bad attendance yet. Uh, We practice strict social distancing. Our people have returned. Uh, They may be a small 10%, that are still very fearful of large gatherings, but probably we are seeing 60 to 75% of our regular attenders back in the church. So much so now that once we fill with social distancing, we have to turn people away to get in. This is, did you wash your hands? I'm Sam Whitehead talking today
0: with Bishop Frederick Williams. He's the head pastor of Gethsemane Worship Center in Albany, a church that was hard hit by the coronavirus pandemic. You mentioned a moment ago kind of all the attention that you and your church received for being one of these epicenters of the outbreak in in Albany. Did you feel in any way um, any judgment coming from the outside community people outside of your church for so much infection really being linked back to your church?
1: Oh yes, and the first initial time We was uh, slandered uh, tremendously as being the church that started COVID in Georgia. Uh, We took many hits from the ignorance of those who did not know how this uh, virus got started. There was a lot of anger from the members. Uh, There was employers uh, not allowing people to come to work if they, they were asking questions. Like, were you a member of Gethsemane? Uh, Did you attend a funeral there? So yes, um, there was a lot of anger. But I think that anger is what brought them closer together because we were just as much as a victim of this cruel virus as the city was. We had no idea how it got here, where it came from. And then there were people trying to pit us against the funeral home, because the funeral home uh, is the people that got infected first and then meeting with us and coming to the church with the second funeral is how it spread spreaded. It. So, through tracing, they found out that the guy that came was a super spreader. It happens at the first funeral and not the one at our church. And we were just strictly victims. Yes
0: this kind of link of transmission this has been determined by the cdc
1: yes absolutely yes it was
0: you say that there was kind of this outside judgment from the community do you feel any responsibility for what
1: happened not one bit as a matter of fact when it happened and they called me and said people were getting sick uh, i instantly Cancer services by way of social media and the news. And there were churches and other groups that were gathering such as the Snickers Marathon. So Albany had a lot going on as they would later trace some of this stuff back to, But at that particular time, because it was our members at the emergency room, all focus was on us. But there were even people came out after us saying, we're not going to cancel our service. We're not going to do that. We don't have that problem. Only to find out that was on a Tuesday. And by that Saturday, all churches was closed.
0: It's more than a year now since your church was really hard hit. How are you, if at all, commemorating the fact that a year has passed?
1: We just released a book called A Church Under Siege. Um, it tells the whole story. It gives account of daily activity as they were passing people and who they were, much about their contributions. Um, this Sunday, we're going to have a big memorial in honor of all of those that passed away. So that's going to be quite a service outside. We have taken acreage of uh, our, on our campus and created a victory celebration park, which is a beautiful place for outdoors gatherings, social distancing, and a memory wall is about there of 250 feet long with several of the people uh, memorials on the walls. So it has been quite a journey for many funerals throughout the city has been hosted here now at this. Victory Celebration Park. And uh, we hope that the book will give people an accurate on hand testimony of step by step what we went through and how we are coping now.
0: As a church leader, I'm I'm sure that in any trying time you have many, many people turning to you for guidance and kind of how to see difficult times through. Has dealing with the pandemic been different in any kind of way?
1: Well, I think that because so many people thought I was deadly sick, gravely sick, uh, there was a lot of prayer and prayer vigils going up for me, Uh, even though it was the preacher that attended the first funeral that died from COVID. I was just homesick. Um, I serve as chairman of the board of elections of Albany. So that tied me in with a lot of of the very uh, leaders in politics and different things, I think to answer your question fairly. Uh, after I was over it, it really brought a better sense of communication of working with the CDC. Of uh, one of the things I've I've encouraged is the vaccine. Uh, I've done several interviews and uh, very uh, various amounts of. Um, of training to get our people out to get the vaccine. The responsibility has even been greater or there has been a greater call to respond to our church. And a lot of our smaller churches and even larger churches has kind of been looking to us for a guidance through this thing. So we haven't had since July 12 uh, another case in our church of COVID-19 Uh, death. Um, So we have been very strategic in uh, training other churches how to continue on with services.
0: As a church leader, you know, and and a leader of of a spiritual community, how do you think about what happened to your church?
1: Well, I was very confused, and I will say this, on the spiritual side. I I could not phantom because really, Anyone that knows us know we were very happy church, very outgoing, did so much for the community, always hosted big festivals in town. I was angry. I was angry with God. Um, I was angry about it happening. I was disappointed, very hurt. Our whole church was just very hurt that uh, this would happen, not wishing that it would happen to someone else, just wishing that it wouldn't have happened. So we had to work through the anger and the disappointment to really uh, be appreciative that in spite of those we lost, many of us were spared. That hurt, I just, y'all have felt it so acutely, and I feel like... So acutely, yes. Um, I think like a piercing. Um, it It was times we couldn't even, we just didn't even want to hear the phone ring it would set us off. And, and all of us, It's is crazy, that all of the staff had the same testimony when we came. It would, We would be nervous. You couldn't stand near the phone ring. You couldn't stand to read social media. Couldn't stand to look at the news because everything they were saying was really relating to things that was happening to us here at Albany, Georgia.
0: How do you think about moving forward? You mentioned your church has been around for many decades, and... Put this last year in in context of those other decades and maybe what you hope is to come.
1: Well, one of the things we're doing, we're we're really putting a campaign on to get people to know Christ. One of the things we recognize that there were so many people that had no spiritual guidance uh, in the streets, in the community, um, so that when this happened, they were so devastated they really didn't have a relationship with Christ And so we have marked a campaign to not only educate people more of the importance of having a relationship with Christ and having a relationship with ministry and church. So I guess if if I had to put it in a nutshell that it has made us more evangelistically inclined to do the work of evangelism. Well, the challenges of social distancing has given us opportunities to learn other ways to attract people to the kingdom of God. And so our church has become more mission friendly. And uh, so we're, we're proud of that.
0: Bishop Frederick Williams is head pastor of Gethsemane Worship Center in Albany, Georgia. Did You Wash Your Hands? is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets in PR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening.